0: the network for the av industry what are you listening to this this is av this
1: this this
2: This is is av nation Nation.
3: this is av nation
1: this is edtech episode 17 recorded friday june 21st 2013 infocom wrap up This is EdTech, the monthly podcast put on to you by the fine folks at AV Nation about the education industry in the world of AV. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host because nobody else showed up Uh, with us this week, this month, as always. uh, That laugh there is from the sunny shores of California. His name is Greg Brown and he works. Well, work is a strong word. He is employed by the University of California, Los Angeles. How are you, sir?
3: Uh, th- still getting checks hey. so
1: and they you know, and they don't bounce that,
3: right not yeah d- despite our the best efforts of some of the folks in sacramento some days
1: hey brother i work for the state of illinois so <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you uh yep. somebody who doesn't work but for the state of illinois at least uh his name is matthew silverman he works for george mason university welcome sir
0: how's it going Tim
1: good and last but not least the only person who does not have jet lag among the four of us <laughs> his name is Scott Tyner and he works for Bates College in great the great state of Maine how are you sir
2: I'm doing great
1: uh, we'll, we'll explain that in a second uh, so infocom 2013 was last week and as I just mentioned as in my introduction to mr. Tyner, He's the one that does not have jet lag because he was unable to make it. So this edition is going to be kind of interesting uh, from that aspect because I want to get Scott's uh, take. And actually, Scott wrote a blog post for, uh, for Rave Pubs based on attending, quote unquote, Infocom 2013 remotely. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but guys, uh, both Greg and, and Matt, you, you two were there. Um, Matt, we'll start with you. What was maybe one or two things, uh, either product-wise, or, or or networking-wise, or even class-wise, that was your one or two favorite things from last week?
0: Well, one of the things that I loved is I, I, I really think I saw even more uh, technology managers at the show this year than I have in previous years. Uh, one of the interesting things I started seeing is we have a new type of technology manager. It's not just the geeks anymore. A lot of people I talk to are in positions where they're specifying systems and are trying to figure out how to write good technical specs. Now, they're not necessarily looking to get under the hood, but this is a really interesting uh, segment of, I guess, uh, of our group that's emerging and had a lot of real good conversations, a lot of people who are very interested in putting together documentation and things like that. So I'll I'll tell you the educational sessions I was involved in was absolutely fantastic. Um, as far as the floor, uh, it was a good floor actually. The energy level was fantastic on the floor, and it's been a little off in past couple of years. It was definitely coming back last year, uh, but uh, saw some good product. Uh, you know, saw a lot of good incremental things. And nothing so much that blew me away. But a lot of a lot of good stuff and a lot of people who I think are starting to move in the right direction.
1: Well, and and to to speak to your your point about the energy level, first of all, let's let's mention the fact. Kudos to Infocom and Jason McGraw and, and everybody that does it and puts it on. It was the biggest one ever. Which is and it was in Orlando and it was in Orlando. True. I was going to say which true is, for is significant. Orlando, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, usually Vegas is the big show. Usually, yeah, they they, they expect almost a little bit of of, of uh, drop off between the Vegas and Orlando show, and they were hoping for uh, talking to to some of the uh, Infocom folks on Thursday. They were hoping for the quote unquote biggest East Coast show they'd ever done, uh, and come four o'clock, four or five o'clock um, East Coast time uh, on Friday, they released the numbers, and it was the biggest one ever. Uh, I had always uh, stopped-
2: thought. Infocom was like the Olympics, where they always announced it, the, you know, the best Olympics ever. I thought Infocom was always the biggest one ever.
1: No, they, they've been pretty They've been pretty honest when it comes to the numbers. I mean, last, yeah. year, last year, it was a slight uh, increase, but the two or three years previous, I mean, yes, honestly, because of the economy and, and the dip the economy took, the dip, the recession we had, uh, it, it had dropped off significantly uh, since about 07, 08.
0: Okay. Uh, I think yeah. it was either 08 or 10, which I think was the previous biggest number ever. So, something like that.
3: What, one, uh, one company I was talking or a lot, a lot of people made a comment about how they were really happy with the amount of traffic. And um, uh, one company I was talking to, they said they had more people visit their booth Thursday this year than in the entire
1: show last year. Wow. Mm.
3: So they wow, were that'd... very happy.
1: Well, and the other thing, and not that any of, well, I can't go to the show with a PO. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I also talked with a number of, number of manufacturers who were closing deals and had companies writing them POs on the show floor. And from an outsider looking in, I would say that that's significant as far as business you know, getting done at Infocom, I would say that that's significant as well for the event itself to, to move forward and, and for, in, for energy and excitement to build for 2014. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, uh, Mr. Brown. What was like one or two of your either again classes or you know uh, things that happened on the show floor?
3: Um. Well, as far as far as um, you know, uh, Matt made the comment about more tech managers. We certainly had an unprecedented number at the Technology Managers Council meeting, where we yeah. had about fifty people, and uh, which is certainly the biggest meeting we've we've had in recent memory, and we had our first, I hope, annual uh, technology manager's reception immediately after that, where I was told that we had 109 people. Wow. So uh, that was that was a quite a nice little turnout. So if you are a technology manager, I'd encourage you to look into those two things next year.
1: <clears throat> next year? Shoot. Um, sign up for the the council now. I mean, you can go on InfoCom yeah, website. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, uh, no, no kidding.
1: You know, kidding. What? It, it would it would it would really help if we had the the technology managers um, council chair on this show once in a while. You know that?
3: I saw that one coming. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and he and he was there, ready to just jump in and promote the council at a moment's notice, and encourage everybody to join each and every meeting, right, or each and every uh, show, right?
1: Just just for clarification, Mr. Greg Brown is the chair of the. And Mr. Tyner is the former chair, so one of you two should have said something.
3: Long trip back from Orlando. I guess.
1: (laughs) I'm just some Um, slub that shows up to the meeting once a year and every on a webinar.
3: Right, right. Um, And let's see. And what was the other question?
1: Uh, Products stuff on the show
3: floor. Products. uh, Let's see couple of the interesting things I saw, I, I I would love to get a hold of one and 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 see how it actually works. But I like this new ceiling-mounted microphone array by Clear One. Mm. It's kind of about the size of it's about a like a one-third cut of a two by two tile. So it's like two feet wide, maybe about eight inches wide, and it's designed to mount as part of the ceiling grid, I believe. And it is a ceiling microphone array uh, for your video conferencing system. Um, And I'd love to... Well, we don't do a lot of video conferencing, but if I did, that would be something I would like to uh, give a try. I also like this really... um, a uh, slick thing uh, FSR has got where it is basically it's an HDMI cable and it's a little adapter about the size of the the molded section on a regular HDMI cable you've got two of those but what plugs into that is basically a very rugged small fiber cable and you can run that I don't know what the distance limitation is and they were taking it, and they were tying it in knots, and they were yanking on it, and they were doing all sorts of abusive things, and it worked just perfectly. And it's just a fiber cable that plugs into these two little HDMI adapters and is apparently exceptionally rugged. I'm like, looking at that, that's like, ah, oh, I can use something like that.
0: You know, that, that was actually one of the interesting things. You just mentioned those two products. Uh, a lot of people were getting into new product lines
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: and actually in my opinion doing a pretty good job I I remember seeing that FSR product that's nice I think it was like 300-330 feet give or take on on that cable Um, you know ceiling mics definitely seem to be one of the uh, new fads this year because clear one got into them Um, Biamp I think got into them Vadio got into them uh, all of a sudden, you know, for years they've been telling us never use ceiling mics, and it's now the uh, new, yeah, it's it's a new black this year. Yeah,
3: I I, I would love to try them. I'm still, uh, yeah, I'm still suspicious because yeah, like the second thing you learn after you know righty tighty lefty loosey is is you know don't use a ceiling like, mic or what is it black to black and red plus minus sort of thing. It's it's never-used ceiling mics. So, yeah, I'd yeah, love to get some some experience with one of those things, but um, with some of those products. And all the collaboration stuff. Everybody had a, had some sort of collaboration uh, hardware from mm-hmm. uh, the big guys, Crestron and AMX, had a whole bunch of collaboration stuff to... Kramer had new collaboration stuff uh a m x or i'm sorry um f s r had
1: some collaboration stuff AMX Audio did too
3: a, yeah well yeah i i already mentioned them
1: uh <laughs> well and, and here's the thing if i heard the if i heard the word huddle Audio one also, more time, i was going to just go nuts or something yeah everybody uh, had a had huddle some, room
3: a huddle something yes. rather and also we can't forget to mention that you know now thanks to the folks over at uh K array, we we all can honestly say, hey baby, you want to see my anaconda? Oh, did
1: you see the see anaconda? The, I,
3: I saw the anaconda, and and apparently the 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 level of jokes being made uh, there in the booth went steadily downhill as the show progressed. Oh, I'm sure. The the anaconda is um, is basically a six foot long flexible speaker, mm-hmm. and it looks kind of like a it, it looks like that um, that mesh stuff that we wrap around cables yep. to keep them from getting messed up. Uh, except it's it's not a slit wrap around sort of thing. It's a it's one continuous long piece about the about the size of a radiator hose, and it's what six feet long or mm-hmm. two meters or something oh, like meters. that. And
1: you can you can hook I think sixteen or eight of you know, them up together.
3: Yeah, it's got a it's got a little metal box with a uh, a on connector on the mm-hmm. end, and and the thing is not you you can't like tie it in a knot. Yes, but you, you can. Did they tie it? Or, okay.
1: the, the only reason I know is, is a buddy of mine, my, my good friend Michael Drainer, works for Sennheiser. And Were you
3: able to tie it that tightly?
1: I, t- I I will put a link to my blog post about this like two months ago. I tied okay. the sucker in a knot. <laughs> like okay. that literally. painful. Jeez. <laughs> if it lasts more than four hours. Okay. Um. Why do we always go sophomore on this show? I don't know. Because there's three guys. I don't know.
0: I, and, and, I and we work in higher ed. So and we work in know.
1: higher ed, yeah. Uh, can I say, I, I am very disappointed in both of you. Neither of you mentioned the first annual Technologer Managers Symposium on Super Tuesday. Maybe because both of you taught on it. No. This but, was the second. It was the second? Second, yeah. Oh, the second annual then, sorry. It was the first one I was at. It was very nice. It was very well done. <laughs>
3: Which the Technology Managers Council helped to coordinate.
1: Yeah. And we'll do
3: again next year.
1: Yeah, it was and, very nice. Uh, very well so, attended. Yeah. Very We
3: were, up. with with the exception of the um, the tech trends, which, which is huge, which is just, just, yeah, which gets like, you know, what, 300, 400 people. Uh, the Technology Managers Symposium was the largest Super Tuesday class with 96, I think it was.
0: Really? I thought it was over 100. Yeah, we, we broke 100 on that one.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: and I and I'll say, and it really, all the technology manager events were uh, education. were just doing blockbusters. Um, one of the sessions I did on Wednesday morning uh, was eight a.m. You know, go figure. People show up uh, for say the show eight a.m., but we were standing room only. Mm-hmm. Over probably eighty to uh, ninety people in the room. It was just it was just fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was cool. it was very well done, and and the the networking that was happened there. Um, I was. I was honored enough to emcee to it, which just meant that I got to introduce people like Matt and Greg and Melissa Dillman from, from Kramer. Um, but the the diverseness in the room. I just, I did a quick survey when I went up there, and I'm like, you know, who works in education? We had education. We had government. We had a corporate. Uh, we had healthcare. It was very It was a very well-represented uh, cross-section of, of everybody in the industry that is actual, you know, an honest-to-goodness tech manager. So I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Actually, one of the interesting things I saw in a lot of my sessions, we had a lot of integrator crossover as well. Oh, really? That yes, that we're seeing interested. I don't think I saw a single consultant at any of them, but we, we definitely had some integrator crossover.
1: I think there was a secret rule yeah. at Infocom not to let them in the show for this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was totally rude. Um, yeah, it's,
3: about, it's about time some of the integrators learned something anyway.
1: Jeez, you guys are just mean. It's Friday. Be happy. <laughs> uh, Mr. Tyner, you were not able to join us because if you had, then you would have been one of the guys that was because you're smart enough and, and doggone it, people like you. Um, but you did write a very nice piece. And I, I actually liked this because um, you uh, you turned me on to something, the clear one that I didn't realize. I, I actually had I, I glossed over it and I had to go back to it. Um, but you wrote a piece for, for rave pubs talking about attending Infocom remotely. So, remotely, what was one or two of your favorite things?
2: Well, I think, you know, I, I did, like I said, so I'm, I'm reliant on the press, I'm reliant on press releases. Um, and we talked in our last show about what, what we were going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if, if what I saw was because I was looking for it or because it is some of the trends. But I think that, you know, one of the things I wrote about there was for me, it's very clear that um video conferencing uh, more web-based as opposed to hardware based, uh, more wherever you happen to be um, is is a real trend So whether it's um, I'm trying to think whether it was uh, it, it was daylight um, had a um, video conferencing tool clear one had some um, you know, was it? I can't remember what the other was. One, which one of those companies they actually had a uh, camera in their screen? It must have been Daylight that actually put yeah, the Daylight, camera in their screen. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was that video conferencing piece was a huge one. I think the other one, and this is rare for me to say because I hate wireless, um, is this this wireless presentation stuff that ties a little bit into the huddle stuff that we kept hearing about. Um, but whether it, it, it's Crestron or whether it's this company an immersive or whether it was um kramer had some wireless stuff that i'm actually a little confident that this stuff is going to work um which is encouraging to me because i can't tell you how many times i hear well geez why isn't all this wireless yet um and you know the answer usually is because wireless doesn't work in a commercial environment (laughs) Um, details details (laughs) yeah right right but they say it does um this stuff yeah, really looks like the it administration does.
3: Administration is not troubled by issues like that. You know, and i I was a
2: big fan of uh, Apple TV, but Apple TV certainly has its limitations, and so I think we're starting to see some changes here now.
1: Uh, one of the one of my uh, things that I, I I don't think got as much press as maybe it should have, and it's a simple thing, but oh my gosh, the longer I think about this, I was talking with uh, with Chris Neto from uh, from AV Shout and Red Bannon and AV Helpdesk. Did you guys see the Panasonic short throw? And I shouldn't say short throw. Uber, technically it's an ultra short throw lens. Mm. No. Point yeah. Thirty-eight to 1. Wow. Let me repeat that. Yeah. Point thirty-eight to 1. Now, if you are somewhat of a projector aficionado, you know typically point 0.8 to 1 is, is roughly the shortest short throw. You can get some people have gotten down to point 0.6. to 1 that means (laughs) you can get a hundred inch image from six inches back and it's detachable Mm. so it's not like this weird looking you know and nothing against the 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 short throw projectors thank god they came out with them when they did but now you've got an honest to goodness you can get whatever lumens projector short throw you want and come back a foot you know and holy crap you know uh, yeah, I was, I was very impressed with it. And the more I think about it, I'm like this right here is should have been one of the, one of the show, uh, show favorites from people because you know what, I get it. It's a lens, but Holy cow is that, is that remarkable. Mm. So, uh, the other thing for me, and this is kind of weird. I don't, I, I don't, I actually talked with, with Sean Robinson from AMX. Uh, and he and I had a very nice candid conversation. I don't use AMX on my, on my campus. Um, and that's one of the things I told him. I said, "Look, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Um, but one of their products really, really struck me as being so geared toward higher ed and so geared to, to corporate. And that's the Enzo, E N Z O. Um, did either of you see this?
0: I didn't. I, I saw some lead on it, but I didn't have a chance to see a demo.
1: It's okay. So it's a box that is a presentation box. Is the best way I, I can, I can describe it." Uh, you can do you can grab stuff from the cloud. You can grab stuff from your flash drive. You can grab it uh, from Dropbox and integrate it all together. Uh, once you're done with the presentation, if you want to share it, you can do a QR code or a um, mm. a uh, direct link. So the students can you know write down the link and go afterwards and, and, and grab the grab the presentation. Less than two thousand dollars so not only was it the functionality but it was also the fact that this thing is less than 2 grand which in 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 my world uh you're looking at at cascades for PCs and i know i can go to the it guys and go all right you know what you're already spending 1500 you know give me you know 3 or 400 bucks more and and i can get you something that's not going to take up as much space not going to suck up as much energy and not going to create as much heat as that tower you're getting ready to put in so those were my two holy cow. I mean, yeah, obviously you've got the one wire stuff with with the HD Base T and the AVB. Uh, they actually at the HD Base T Pavilion they had uh, a Samsung prototype that had power and uh, audio and video going over one single piece of HD Base T, which was it was cool. It was interesting. Uh, very thin, you know, running the power over over you know that single piece of category cable was was cool. Um, you guys mentioned the Muse, which was which was again a, a one-wire solution, their own proprietary, right? It wasn't. Um,
0: yeah, that was yeah. uh proprietary. Actually, right. I thought that was one of the uh, best, both booths and products of the show.
1: Yeah, they brought one oh, thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was great. It, you know, and I mean, I, I've used a lot of their boxes and things like that from time to time, but it it was great. You walk in, you knew exactly what you were looking at. They showed it to you, and. <laughs> 150 watts over a single Cat uh, 6 HDMI plus I think IR and RS232. Yep. Up to 330 feet.
1: And was that shielded, yeah, Matt, or is that unshielded?
0: I believe I believe that's Cat just vanilla Cat 6, which I believe is shielded. Okay. So.
1: And
3: they they give, gave me one of the best lines of the show. I was giving them a hard time because I I, I know some folks there and. Um, because they're a local company, and um, they, they actually were showing the same product last year. It's just that it's shipping now. And they told me, well, what they had last year was pre-technology.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: jeez, nice. We got so, this from the future. Yeah, it was, it was pre-technology last year, and now it's actually shipping. Well, but they did show, you know they show exactly the same product last year.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I say something to that real <laughs> but quick? But it is a great product. It, it, it's a neat product. And, and to that end, um, I, I want to say it was somebody that was on the AV Week. Um, holy cow, two-hour symp- you know, special we did. Um, that was like almost a theme. It was an underlying unofficial theme this year. 90, I'm going to say 90% of the stuff that I saw was shipping. And I think that's significant, not just for a trade show in general. I've, I've We've been doing AV Week for two years now, and that was my very first episode. That was one of my biggest gripes, is the fact that you've got all this vaporware on the show floor. All, most of the stuff that oh, yeah. I saw on the show floor was shipping, and I think that is also significant.
3: D- didn't we get tired of that? I mean, were yes. we all ranting about that like two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and 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 I think you're right. I think everybody's kind of learned that lesson. Plus, I think one of the biggest offenders in that whole area is doesn't show up at the show anymore but Microsoft
1: typically it, ships things
3: <laughs> <laughs> right right Good.
2: i so Good what I'm, Tim and let, I'm let's curious just to know, what, do you, what is that right there. <laughs> what does that say about the the industry you know one of the things i was thinking about when you said what what was the big showstopper at infocom it, is is the industry beyond these big showstoppers and more into now just showing good working advancing product. You know, what's what, what really could be a showstopper today? And you know, because I thought the same thing, you know, Crestron Air Media, for example, I was like, oh, cool, you know, next March I'll get it, I'll t- I get to take a look at it. it. They're not shipping yet, but they claim August 1st. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's shocking. Um, but is that, what does that say about the industry? Is it, are they, you know, developing product faster? Are they putting it out as soon as they get it? They're not holding on to it till June.
1: There is some of that, Scott, honestly, to that point is the fact that unless you've got something significant or you start developing it and it just happens to fall within this, you know, April, May, June, July timeline, they are, they're releasing stuff. I mean, we had, um, Nick Scott on, uh, from Crestron. He's one of their marketing guys. And, and, um, had him on the first part of, of May and he let slip this whole uh, the whole smart TV app that they were developing, which they, they, they were showing um, at, at, uh, at Infocom this year. But they already had it. I mean, they had it and they were working on it and they, they felt comfortable enough to, to say it you know, in, in a weird version of, of the press. But, you know, in, in the press and, you know, they said, you know, you can see it at Infocom. But, and they actually did a press release a week before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. The guys that they're just developing things faster. I I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't I don't want to be the the patent, uh, the head of the patent office. You know, in early 1900s that say, you know, nothing can shock us that everything's been invented. I think when it shocks us, it'll be one of those things where, holy cow, I never thought of this, or I never thought this would ever exist, type thing.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think what we're seeing is maturity in the industry, I mean and, and that's technology maturity. I mean, you know, think about it if you used to go to a networking trade show and, um, you know, going from, uh, you know, something like uh, Cat 3 to Cat 5 was huge. But then all of a sudden it started being incremental change. And I think after we made the big jump to digital, you know, we're in that incremental change. I mean, the next complete architecture change we may have is AVB. And we know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I don't think it's going to be like HDMI, which kind of, you know, hit us upside the back of the head. Um, but it would take, you know, a radical change in technology. I mean, it'd have to be something like holography or something like that, where all of a sudden we have to fundamentally change what we're doing. And I, I just, I, I don't know if we have, it's not that nothing's left to be invented, but I'm not sure how many of those groundbreaking shifts we have coming or if it's going to keep the pace that it was particularly in the, you know, 2000s. I, I well, think
2: you also. know, th- right. That's one of the things I was thinking when I, when I heard this is I, as I looked around at the product, it seemed to me like exactly what you said, Matt, that a lot of the product yeah. has matured and that now the, but now the uh, manufacturers are really listening to what people need
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And,
2: and really kind of adapting their product to what, to what people need.
3: I think it's also just coming coming out of the recession and, and people playing it a little bit more conservatively. I think most of what we saw were in, in part incremental, but they were also sort of smaller, safer sort of things. This wasn't, I, I didn't expect this would be the year where everybody's parading their, you know, 190-inch 8K, um, you know, flat panel displays. On, on the show floor, and it certainly wasn't. Every, everything was, was much more uh, eh, smaller and, I think, better thought out. It wasn't quite, it wasn't as flashy as things have been at times in the past.
0: Let's go back to that big blue elephant we kind of dodged a couple minutes ago and you know we'll talk about the fact that Extron is now the second year that they're not at the show. And some of the reasons they said they're not the show is no one announces product there. And actually, thinking back to this year, I actually think some product announcements may have gotten lost in all the noise of the show. But the other aspect is that I I found more valuable than ever, and it was my manufacturing partners, is really being able to have conversations about solutions, Mm -hmm. future product, product trends with them. And really having that, you know, face time is just so valuable in, in what we do and understanding where we're going and you know i think the show is still so incredibly relevant i mean we, we can see by how the floor is expanding and uh, there was a tremendous amount of i think new you know new exhibitors there this year mm-hmm. uh not you know so it, it, it's it's really i think doing pretty well and i still think unfortunately for extron they need to find a way to get back there because they're they're just seem to be losing a lot of visibility in the industry by not being there.
1: Yeah, I don't see that happening. So that's yeah. just my two cents. Um, to, to to Matt's point about new new exhibitors, there were two people that I was struck by. Uh, one was a company called Beam B E A M, and we, we
3: like we want to strike you occasionally. yeah yes, I know, but
1: you're in California and you can't reach that far. Um, right that is the personal I'm calling it the personal video conference device those were weird <laughs> they were neat I'm sorry basically it's what it is 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 you logging on to a beam and remotely and, and you have a, a web interface and you remotely from the far end are driving this um, it's it's a pair of wheels and then you have a, a stem and then you have a a a monitor, a, a video monitor on the top, and it's you driving around at, at another location. You know, whether it's, you know, Scott could have uh, have attended our tweet-up remotely using a beam. Uh, he couldn't have drank it. But,
2: anything. you know, Tim, Tim, Tim and I did discuss. We were trying to figure out ways we to did, do that. We were, yes. But we, we, there, was, there was no way to um, pass the cold beverages back and forth remotely. Yes. So.
3: Although the beam is about the right height for Scott, Oh jeez. Wow
2: <laughs> Greg's always winning friends and influencing people, <laughs> he right? Is, he is. <laughs> I didn't
1: realize he was uh, I didn't realize he was six two. So um <laughs> No, it's 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 a neat it's a neat technology. And again, this was their first time. Um and maybe
3: maybe we should get them to us to get them to lend us one next year and we'll like Bring somebody in remotely that way. Well,
1: actually, we were talking with uh, with Scott Hassan from the, the the CEO of it uh, after the show. And, and he's like, you know, you should bring uh, one of the one of the guests was, was saying, you know, you should bring, you know, about 10 or 20 of these next year. He goes, forget that. He goes, I can bring a thousand. And he started doing the math. Mm. This guy is this guy thinks on a whole different level. I mean, he thinks like on a Steve Jobs level. Mm. Um, very interesting guy. Very interesting product. And the other the other guys that that uh, I, I was impressed by, again, first time exhibitors was WireStorm. I don't know if, if, if uh, you or Greg, uh, Greg or, or, or Matt saw it or even if, if Scott, you guys saw these. Um, first time showing HD-based tea solution and holy cow, do they have a lot of HD-based tea solutions. Uh, I think they were claiming the most uh, HD-based tea products on, on the show floor, like in wow. any one vendor. Um, very, very impressive stuff and they've been doing it for for 3 years now they they established themselves in 2010 uh, right around the time that that HD base T was was getting started and and they had one of the first one of the first HD base T um, products out there so yeah those those guys were also impressive so all right uh, you're listening to EdTech thank you so much for listening Scott Tyner is here Matt Silverman from uh, George Mason and uh, and Greg Brown uh, a couple things that I, I wanted to throw out there specifically about um, technologies one was an interesting battle that I was not prepared for, uh, and that is color brightness. Um, uh, it, did anyone see the color brightness at Epson's booth? No one I saw the this color is, brightness.
3: This is this is where we cue Matt up to talk about standards. I think
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs> the color brightness. Now understand, Epson is thoroughly, wholly involved in in. Um, uh, Three LCD technology. And and they,
0: they are they are three LCD yeah. effectively. Now
1: now as a full disclaimer, uh, the college that I work for, we are almost we're like ninety five percent standardized on Epson products. That being said, I th- thought this was a bit stretched for them. <laughs> um, basically, and I'm I'm going to say basically, and then I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Standards. Um, <laughs> basically, what they were saying was because DLP single chip DLP has to turn off colors to turn them on that if you compare the red, green, and blue quote unquote brightness to a three LCD, which doesn't have to turn off, um, the, the colors that the effective lumens level is a third. So if you have a 3000 lumens DLP, you're in effect only getting a thousand lumens and in the color brightness for the 3LCD, you're getting the full 3,000. Um, the uh, DLP <laughs> response to that, the only one I got was, was from uh, BenQ. They said, well, that's just silly because we have like 5 million colors. So, um, Mr. Standards?
0: Uh, wow. Well, I'm going to have to be a little sheepish here because I actually didn't spend much time at their booth since I have a great local rep and I was just going to follow up with him after the show. Um... <sighs> I'm not actually aware of a standard for color brightness. Uh, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be one. Uh, you know, the, you are comparing a little bit of apples and oranges with if and projector technology, but you have to set up your performance requirements. I mean, the, the, this almost sounds like someone in marketing realized we have something which we can legally say, and threw it out there, so I'm trying to figure out exactly where they're going with this one. Um, you know, on the standard side with uh, with Infocom, we, we, have, uh, we, we have talked about colorimetry being something we need to look at for a performance standard, uh, you know, down the road. We don't have a time frame on it, so it's definitely there. I think at the end of the day, and this is something I've conversation I've had with two different LCD projector manufacturers, you need to shoot them up against each other, figure out your application, figure out your your right performance criteria for your application. You know I've had manufacturers claim to me that a projector, which I obviously could tell the color was off on, would be fine because the user doesn't have a reference color. So oh, wow, uh, yeah, no, I actually, that that was I, I I shot two and they were both three LCD against each other. The green on one projector was off. You, you didn't need a scope to figure that one out. And I and I said, really? I mean, is there anything we can do about it? Can we tweak this? I said, eh, well, if you just set it by yourself, because your user doesn't have a reference, they'll think it's correct. And there's probably something correct, you know, about that. So. With anything, when you're looking at using product, you have to set up performance standards to figure out how you expect not just the projector, but the system to perform. And that's what you need to measure. Um, you know, th- There's a couple of guys out there who do a lot more with uh, with projection than I do, who could probably give you some better technical answers on how to address this. But to me, this this may just seem like the latest in the DLP three LCD wars, which have been going on for as long as I recall.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other the other side of this, and and this is where I'll give Epson some kudos, was the fact that they were shooting on an angle, on a corner, uh, and if you know anything about projection technology, that's not possible. And what it is, it's a, it's an evolution of their of their uh, quick corner technology, not not their quick corner, but but a quick corner where you can shoot against a a, uh, a an angle, a ninety degree angle, either where the the point of the of the uh, the ninety degree is is closest to you or farthest away. And then you you manipulate um, the actual um, image to where it make it look like it's actually square. So that other thing I thought was cool. Um, one more thing, guys, and and just we're gonna start with Scott because uh, this is this is something we can all answer. One thing that was was prevalent, I would say, uh, at Infocom this year, was 4K. And the the question is is not is it here or is it applicable to us but the question is when and the reason i say that is because just like with any sort of advancement in technology and resolution we will have to address it at some point this is not 3d right this is this is an an increase in resolution so the question for you mr tyner is when uh will we have to do deal with a higher resolution than hd let's put it that way i won't even say 4k because some of us may jump 4k and go to 8k
2: yeah, wow. Um, you know, I I don't feel as so though I can answer that question. I think that we dealt with this when we talked about digital. Um, and we've dealt with it when, when did we go to Blu-ray players, when did we leave VHS. I think that I guess the answer for me is, you know, when I look at a product and they're readily available and in my price range. Um, or perhaps maybe somebody in my my science department or something of the sort. Uh, really sets up a requirement that needs it. Um, I, can, I, I can hear Matt saying exactly that, you know, set up your uh, requirements. And if your requirements come off a of 4K, that's when you're going to use it.
1: Well, and, that, and that's, that's a valid answer. I mean, that right there is a valid answer. That's why, that's why, that's why we ask the questions, and that's, that's a good answer. That's probably one that I would come up with. Uh, Mr. Silverman, what is, what is your answer for this one? When, when are we going to have to deal with this?
0: Well, if you, if you remember in the uh, Tech Manager Symposium, one of the future texts that I was talking about was Resolution. Right, symposium? Word, uh, symposium. Uh, symposium, yes. Symposium. It's Friday. Leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, what, one of the questions I actually asked to the audience was exactly where Scott was going. It's not a when, but it's a why. Okay. It's, you know, what are your applications for this? And I think in the you know, 120 or so folks we had in the room, only one person put their hand up, yeah. And uh, the gentleman put his hand up, said, "Well, I, we have a architecture program at uh, our university, and I need to go as high as I can go because they want to look at every little piece of detail." And he said, "I'd go A.K. if I could." Wow. So it was something where, again, and you know, Scott and I seem to be in the same place. It's it's not a when. I I don't think like digital there'll be a magical date. Where we all have to cut over. I mean, if you're doing PowerPoint, 720p will work for you for just about forever. I mean, you're, you're not, you, you don't really need a level of detail. So it's figuring out what the application that requires that resolution and then in what environment are you actually going to benefit from it. Uh, one of the big conversations with uh, 4K is, you know, at a certain point when you're far enough away from it, you can't distinguish the detail between you know 1080p and 4K. So trying to figure that out is, again, based on your application and what you're looking to do. And I think we're going to see more and more of it, but I don't know if there'll ever be that point until maybe you know the broadcasters cut over to it, which is probably 25 years from now, where there will be a, you have to do it for mainstream adoption. The only other way I could see us again having to cut over is when it just becomes such a cheap technology that you can't buy anything but a 4k projector or display
1: yeah and that's that's probably where, where we'll be headed too. you know because let's be honest i still buy vcrs because we we have some faculty who you can you'll pry that vhs cassette from their cold dead hands so
0: well i, I don't think any any amount of upscaling will ever make a vhs look good on a 4k display
1: no absolutely not
0: well,
2: come on! Don't you guys must have some of these integrators who came in years ago and they took your um, composite video um, out of your VCR, upscaled it to S video, and sent it to your projector. I mean that—that that really increased the quality.
1: <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I'm still pulling <laughs> those out of classrooms, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I'm I'm so glad you did that for me. Uh, and of course, but I was also going to say we've still got ten twenty four by seven sixty eight projectors on campus, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. so you know we're still. I, I think that you know Matt and I are in the same place with that. It's um, you know maybe some specialty applications or the day when you know they're three thousand bucks like every other projector.
1: Yeah,
3: I, I think it'll. It, I think it's going to be somewhere on the order of like five or six years down the road because we are all relatively speaking collectively in the middle of our switch over to HD, basically. You know, some of us a little bit ahead, some of us a little behind of that. And we're we're just not there for 4K yet. So I think the next time we're around for a major system refresh, five, five, six years down the road, that's when it's going to become a much bigger thing in higher ed. uh, Because I think by that time the the resi and the you know j- just uh television and uh the entertainment industry the the source material will have matured enough such that you know once we hit that
1: point in our cycle people are going to start looking at it a lot closer i think kind of like with the digital stuff once they start bringing this bringing in 4k and going why doesn't this look as good exactly yeah. exactly very good. All right, gentlemen, that's going to do it for this month. Uh, with us, that gentleman right there has been uh, uh, Greg Brown from UCLA. How can people find you, sir? Has been? I, 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 I still, still are, am, I You think. still are. <laughs> you know what? It's, last it's, I it's, checked. I'm one week removed from Infocom, and I'm still, yeah. <laughs> Who are you, and, 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 and where can people find you? And, and you're still fatigued and lethargic, Oh Yes, right? I'm still fatigued and lethargic. <laughs>
3: Uh, best place is LinkedIn and also uh, uh, now that I now that I'm I'm done with my, my presentation there at Infocom and worrying about it I would like to get back to doing some blogging there on Infocom's all voices blog so uh, should have some more material on there soon
1: very good uh, also Mr. Scott Tyner he is from uh, Bates College but also is a blogger for, for Rave Pubs where can people find you
2: yes you can find me either uh at at rave pubs or my blogs or my column you can find me on uh, linkedin and twitter i'm trying to keep up with my tweets and follow everybody as they attended infocom and that's where you can find me very good
1: uh and last but not least mr standards and the reason we call him that is because he is the chair of the standards committee uh for infocom but he also works for george mason university mr matthew silverman thank you sir where can people find you
0: uh, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. And speaking on that standards note, just to let everyone know, the audiovisual systems performance verification standard has now gone out to public review. So you can now find that if you go to infocom slash standards, there'll be a link to uh, download the draft standard so you can take a look and comment on it.
1: Very good infocom.org slash standards very good thank you sir uh, my name is Tim Albright you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, T.D. Tim David Albright but more importantly for me and everybody here at AV Nation, please go by the website avnation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this podcast our weekly AV week uh, live life uh, the, the new uh, AV social we have a, a control podcast we have a, 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 a number of them uh, here, sometime here in the next month, we're going to start a uh, a couple projector ones, and mm-hmm. there is a rumor that the guys over at Red Band, uh, the AV Shout, uh, hijacked some of my equipment last week at uh, Infocom, and they produced a podcast as well. So I have yet to hear that. So we'll see how that turns out for them. Uh, oh, that, that scares me. That me scares too. Me really. Chris Neto, Mike Brandy's <laughs> the um, yeah, yeah. Young you Toxin. think we're a motley crew? Well, see, this is one of those where, where I can finally click, um, finally click explicit on a uh, <laughs> on the podcast code. So, <laughs> oh, we're gonna work blue. Yeah, well, they, well, you know, they're they're the red band guys. They don't they they don't take any prisoners. So, anyhow, yeah. So check out the website if you would aviation.tv, aviation.tv. Thanks for listening. This has been EdTech.